0: Dear congregation, I chose this text as much for myself as for anyone else. I have a tendency to worry. Maybe I've mentioned this once before. I don't know about these particular examples. When I was little already, I remember worrying about things. And for a few years in grade school, my bus stop was several miles From our house so I couldn't just walk home my parents had to be there to pick me up and I would worry during the school day about whether my parents would be there in their car to pick me up often and of course they were always there for me another time in grade school a little bit after this when all the kids in the classroom uh, were cheering as we watched the first snow falling outside I sat at my desk crying and worried about my bus sliding off the road, which, of course, kids, could never happen because a bus is so big and heavy, it couldn't slide off the road from some snow. And I, I've, I've tended uh, to worry about things since then, too. These days, at any given time, uh, like you in your life, I'm sure, but I could start worrying about any number of things um faith church and 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 the work in the ministry here I could worry choose to worry about uh, my family and me being able to provide for them could worry about Sarah's health my four daughters and their health and their future uh, my oldest is 17 now and and driving around I could Worry about her getting into an accident. She's applying to colleges for next year, and I could worry about how all that's going to work out, how God's going to provide there. could worry as I have to assemble all this financial information and documents that colleges need uh, from students applying. I can worry, and I could worry about recurrence of my brain tumor. I could go on, but you get the picture. But I certainly did not preach this sermon just for me, because I know uh, many people have a tendency to worry. Jesus knew that, and that's why he addresses this subject so pointedly. And it's why there are so many other places in Scripture that get at worry. So many verses that say things like, do not be afraid, and we get that a lot in Scripture. Cast all your cares upon him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And Jesus says, peace I leave with you. God knows we struggle in this area. We worry about maybe whether or not we'll ever get married. We worry about choosing a career or a college. We worry about our finances, our retirement, our kids, and then later on, We worry about our grandkids. We can worry about our health. We can worry about our country. Certainly are things to worry about there, it seems. It's natural. Now, it's a natural thing to have concerns in life. It's natural to be concerned sometimes. And it's wise to look ahead in your life and think through different scenarios. But... Worry goes beyond being concerned. Worry goes beyond looking at scenarios. Uh, Worry tends to always be focused on worst case scenarios. Worry is getting too concerned to the point of obsessing about the possible future and just agonizing about things that are probably for the most part out of your control. Worry goes far beyond just good planning and absolutely can sap the joy out of your life. It seems that the longer you live life, and I haven't lived as long as, as, as a number of you here, but just in, in my lifetime too, it seems, and I've heard it from others, the longer you live in life, there are more opportunities to worry that you'll find. And you'd think that over the years of our life, we'd do better with this problem of worrying. That we'd be learning to trust God's faithfulness and conquer worry. Because he's been faithful to us up until now. You'd think as the years went on, as believers, we'd do better. We'd solve this problem. But that doesn't always happen. That doesn't always happen. Sometimes the worries continue. Sometimes they increase as we go on in life. Sometimes they increase very much in a particular time in our life. We worry, and we know we shouldn't. We know God doesn't want that for us. Four times in our verses, we read, Do not worry, in verse 25, 27, 31, and 34. Do not worry. Philippians 4 famously reads, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Worry in our hearts and minds concerns a Christian because we're commanded not to do it. And, and we can think, what is my problem that I keep doing what God clearly doesn't want me to do? And then that can cause us to worry because, of course, worriers always find other things to worry about. It causes us to worry about our faith, which is a pretty serious thing to worry about. And, and it, it's terrible to have to have that kind of worry and doubt. We're talking about worry in light of Thanksgiving coming up on Thursday, Thanksgiving week. And there's no doubt about it to me that worry can just spoil our Thanksgiving. Worry might just be the biggest enemy of a thankful heart and our desire to live thankful lives. And we know that that kind of summarizes uh, the Christian life, really, that we are a thankful people. Well, worry can, can erode and chip at our thankfulness. But there's a flip side to that, it seems to me, and that is that a thankful heart and thankful living can conquer worry. And, and I want us to see from our verses how that might be possible this morning and and hopefully help us. So I I learned in the last couple months uh, that there's something called refocusing that's a proven way to help people defeat anxiety or maybe situational anxiety, mild anxiety. Instead of staying stuck and thinking about the the stuff that you're anxious about, refocusing means you focus your mind somewhere else. Um, It could be something as simple as counting down from 300 by threes, which is not too hard, but you got to kind of focus to be able to do that. Um, You focus on those numbers instead of what you're anxious about. Another example of refocusing could be if you're a Star Wars fan, try to write down as many Star Wars characters as you can. And then once you've written all you can, think of three or five more, or do that with characters of the Lord of the Rings. Focus on, on listing as many characters, as many names as you can. Well... In the midst of the challenge of worry and anxiety, Jesus, in a sense, in, here in Matthew 6, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, is in, he's in a sense telling us, encouraging us, inviting us to refocus. To conquer worry, we refocus first with thanksgiving, by taking inventory of our heavenly treasure. The first place we read, do not worry, is verse 25. It says, therefore, do not worry. Therefore means there's something that comes before that this verse is following. And what comes before, we also read, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, uh, where Jesus basically says those things cannot happen. And then there's the verse about how it's impossible to serve both God and money, verse 24. And it's about where our heart focuses in life. If we focus on so-called earthly treasure, whether it be health, our house, our car, our bank account, our clothes, if our focus is there, we'll have reason to worry because none of those things last. They can be taken away. They expire. We should be thankful for all of God's gifts all the time in this week, of course. I'm not saying don't be thankful for those earthly treasures, but we must hold on to earthly treasure more loosely than we often do. Where our main focus should be, where our heart mostly should be aiming, is toward our heavenly treasure. Living for Jesus, serving others, experiencing abundant life in the Spirit, looking with gratitude toward eternal life, ultimately, our heart needs to be focused right on Jesus because he's the summary of the heavenly treasure and he's the source of all the heavenly treasure. Focus on knowing him, serving him, hearing his word. The inheritance and the blessings of the spirit, the the heavenly treasure, the Bible says that these things can never be taken away from God's children. You absolutely cannot lose them ever. And so be thankful for all you have, but make sure the heavenly treasure is number one. If our happiness is dependent on earthly treasure, we'll worry because it's possible to lose those things. But if you take inventory of all that you have in Jesus, the spiritual blessings, You find how rich and secure you really are with blessings from above. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. We're going to sing it this Thursday. And especially count your heavenly blessings, your heavenly treasure to conquer worry. You have everything you could ever need. God is in control It's all in his capable and loving hands. He's faithful. Life can be hard and downright crummy sometimes, but we have eternal life to look forward to. And when we focus on those blessings, we'll be less apt to focus on the lesser things. What else can you do to conquer worry? What else can we focus on with thankfulness according to our verses. Second, remember God's care for you. And this is those verses about our life, about what we'll eat, what we'll drink, about the birds. This is about God's care. Why do you worry about your life and what you'll eat or drink or what you'll wear? Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? The Bible's saying, hey, If God has given you your life, if you're here, you're sitting here, if you're alive, God will provide the means to sustain your life. He'll provide for you. There's talk of the birds and how our Heavenly Father cares for them. It's kind of interesting. It doesn't tell us it doesn't, refer, it doesn't say their Heavenly Father feeds them. It says our Heavenly Father feeds the birds. And that raises a point that's maybe kind of obvious, but we might forget it and we need to remember it. He is not the Father of the birds. At least not in the same way He's our Father because we're created in His image. And the birds and other things in nature are not created in his image. He's not their father. In, In a bigger, broader sense, he's the father of all living things. But he's not the father of the birds like he is our father. Jesus is saying, are you not much more valuable than the birds for whom God is not their father like you are? If he cares for them, how much more won't he care for us, his children, And he talks about the grass that passes away. How much more won't he care for us who are made for eternity? Unlike the rest of creation, we have souls that will live forever. Our lives have so much value to him. Remember that. Remember God's care for you. That's where Jesus is pointing us. And and we think about that as we think about uh, the trajectory of the Gospel of Matthew as it's going to be moving forward, we can think about God's care at a whole higher level too, because these words are coming out of the mouth of Jesus, our Savior. He is God's care for His children personified, because He's the one who came to go to the cross for us. That's care. And care isn't even the right word for it. It goes beyond care. He shows us a deep, sacrificial, never ending love. The Bible tells us that God remembers his people in their sin and need, and Jesus is proof of that. So remember God's care for you, remember Jesus and his coming to save someone like you and someone like me just as our salvation from our sins is a supernatural work and just as salvation could only happen outside of ourselves not from anything we we could do i think that's true of worry too because we can try to put ourselves in different situations get a job that we feel um, gives us greater financial security. But none of that will solve worry. It takes a supernatural work for worry to get better in your life, ultimately. Something outside of ourselves, something outside of our circumstances to conquer it. But thankfully... That supernatural work outside of ourselves has happened. Jesus has come. And so refocusing there, and more than that, receiving the power from his coming and work, can make our worry fade away. Third, we can refocus with thanksgiving when we embrace the presence of God. Where does it talk about the presence of God in these verses? Where do I get that from in this text? Well, I'm getting that from the reference to the pagans in verse 32. Pagans are people who are irreligious. They do not know God. And I want you to think about that once. A pagan, someone who is not religious, does not know God. If you're a pagan, if you don't know God, you've got reason to worry. Because you're all alone in this world. A pagan is all alone in this world. Wouldn't that be scary? If it's you all alone in this world, you sure do have a lot to worry about. The, the presence of, of money in your life, the presence of a big house, those things. The, the presence of those things never solved anyone's worry. All a pagan has for comfort is their stuff, and that can't give comfort. Wake up; They wake up in the morning, just them. Go to sleep at night, no God. People without God, pagans, are all alone in life. And it's very, very sad. They may have family and friends, but... Without a heavenly father, that's not nearly enough in life. But that's not your life, Christian. And that's not mine. I'm not alone. You are not alone. You have the abiding, real presence of God through his Holy Spirit. And so we're encouraged to go to the one who loves us unconditionally who will never let anything or anyone snatch us out of his hands, the one who's all powerful. Refocus from your worry with great thankfulness by embracing the presence of God. You have the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with you in your heart, leading you, lifting you up. Uh, when you wake up in the morning, no matter how bleak. And gray the day may seem both outside and in your heart. The Father goes with you. Unlike the unbeliever who faces each day alone. When you go to sleep on your pillow at night with all those concerns that can weigh you down and make your mind race. You know you can let things go because you have a Father who bears our burdens. And who neither slumbers or sleeps. Unlike The pagan, who has no one keeping watch over him and no one to take his concerns. So refocus by embracing his presence. Be near him through prayer, through meditating on his word, and, and through the community of faith, through the church. Fourth, and this is our last thought. Fourth, pursue the divine directive. Refocused by pursuing the divine directive if you've ever watched star trek and maybe you know by now i do i have watched it and there might be very few people who would admit to doing that but since i'm going public this morning that i like star trek and watch it maybe you'll dare to admit it now too in star trek there's a spaceship that goes out to explore new planets and new civilizations And as the crew explores, they have what's called a prime directive. And the prime directive is the main overriding rule for space exploration. And it's basically, the prime directive is do not interfere with other cultures that you meet, especially ones that maybe haven't developed space travel yet, are living in the Stone Age or or whatever, Because interaction with the spaceship would mess up that culture's natural development and growth. That's the thought of the prime directive. The Christian has a prime directive in a sense too. A number one rule, a number one focus, and it's at the end of our text. Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. It's the divine directive because it comes from God and it focuses Us on God and His things. We seek the kingdom. We seek kingdom values, kingdom pursuits. In other words, we seek God's ways, God's will. We seek to be part of his plan. We support and are active in churches and ministries who are faithful to his word and mission and want to accomplish the things of the kingdom. Pursue his kingdom and righteousness. We give our lives to the things of God as history moves forward towards Jesus coming again one day. And when we refocus there on serving others in something much bigger and greater than ourselves and our little lives and our little troubles, this too can help us conquer our worry and our fears and our anxieties. Because it's not just about us in life. It's about... Him and His people and others, those in need. The kingdom. Jesus says here to those who worry and this is one of the things in the text that I think troubles the worrier. O you of little faith. O ye of little faith, right? Is, is the older translation. Ouch! That That always... Kind of hurts uh, a worrier reading that because we don't want to disappoint Jesus, and and maybe we wonder when he says that, "O oh, ye of little faith," um, do we really belong to the Lord if we worry? What's "O oh, you of little faith"? It really seems like a like a like a put down, and and a really strong, like you're doing terrible, but. It probably is an admonition. I think Jesus is admonishing us to a certain degree. And it should stir us up to a greater faith, which Jesus wants us to have. But, this is pretty cool too, if you look at it another way, because it means even the worrier, who is, has a little faith, Jesus says, O you of little faith. It means we have a little faith. And you know how faith gets there. God puts faith in our hearts. Um, One of the most famous things that the reformer John Calvin said is that a weak faith is nevertheless a true faith. And so even those who worry and agonize have some faith which means God is yet at work in our hearts and lives. Jesus says to His children, He says uh, to you and me, He says to the worry warts with compassion and grace, lovingly shaking His head, "Oh, you of little faith. He says that with love, with tenderness, with great care. Hear me. Listen to my word. Refocus on what I'm teaching you here. Refocus your troubled minds with thankfulness this week and always as you take inventory of your heavenly treasure. Remember, children, the Father's care for you. Embrace the presence of God in your life and pursue the divine directive. And as we do that, may our faith increase. May the power of God Take our focus from worry to thankful living. May that be true in my life, and may that be true for each one of you, God's children, my friends. Amen.